Chains Disc Golf Podcast. I am Becca Kephart. Joining me today is Kim Janola. Kim, how are you doing today? I'm delighted to be here. Thank you, Becca. And Nova Polite. Nova, what's going on? Oh, well, I'm uh, I'm podcasting. How are you today? <laughs> I'm podcasting as well. I'm glad to be co- podcasting with you. It's always a good time. <laughs> so I thought we'd start with a little what you've been disking as per the huge, but maybe with a little bit of a focused twist because we haven't done a podcast in a while and there's a whole lot we've been disking. So I want to know what the number one disc is in your bag so far in this very, very funky 2020 season. So Kim's been throwing the MVP for a while now. Nova, you're new on uh, Team MVP this year, which is awesome. And I throw 99% MVP as well, so we can have a, a little MVP family joy fest here. <laughs> so, Kim, All right. Kim, let's start with you. Kim, give me your number one disc. Plasma Servo. Um, mm. One of the things I've been trying to do this year, especially in the last like th- two months, I would say, is hyzer flip forehands mm. so obviously you know reaching low with a hyzer release and having the disc stand up to, st- to flat and continuing flat which you know it it's it's a balancing act a forehand release is very very mm-hmm. tricky you do anything wrong with it and it just it is touchy and so i was having difficulty trying to make a flat forehand release. You know, I was typically go turning over on it, so it was drifting left or just completely dumping. So it occurred to me, um, after watching some other videos and some um, some kind of forehand experts and seeing how mm-hmm. they throw, why, why don't I just go down in stability and try to flip the disc up and take some of the, the risk of turning it over out of the question? And so far, it's been really successful. And the Plasma Forehand has been the disc that I've been most successful routinely and accurately hyzer flipping. Mm. And I don't want to say it's easier than throwing a flat release because, you know, the difficulty on a hyzer release on a forehand is uh, what I think Nate Doss called a scoop today, <laughs> where, where you just launch it into the sky and then it just dies on you. But if you if I get low enough and I successfully hyzer flip it, it goes and it goes straight and I'm mm. getting so much accurate distance out of it. Mm. So right now I am absolutely in love with the plasma servo. I love it. I am I am not the forehand expert on this uh, podcast today, but I think I overheard that the beginner tendency to forehand overstable discs um can be detrimental because mm-hmm. it masks a lot of errors. So throwing something that's very neutral, like a plasma servo, is really going to show off what's happening on the throw. It will, it will not tell lies and it will not <laughs> hide mistakes. And uh, when when Kim's throwing it on a forehand, it is really impressive to watch. Uh, she's yeah. eating a, a good 275, 300 yeah. on a really beautiful Heiser flip line. And like Mike Down says, I just sit back and marvel at the pure joy of flight. <laughs> right. Yeah. And to, you know, add on to what Nova was saying, I taught myself forehands with understable discs. Mm-hmm. Like one of the things I was doing initially, I was trying to forehand signals, which mm. if you can imagine <laughs> trying to forehand a signal <laughs> back, back when I didn't have great form, great yeah. technique, I, I was using things like signals and craves and... Mm-hmm. Um, I was really going with the understability, but then once I started getting distance, I, I moved completely to the opposite spectrum towards the overstable. So I could just crank on the thing and still depend on a a right hand finish. But the more and more forehand becomes part of my game, Mm -hmm. the more and more I have to have variety and utility in the various discs and shots. And so like, uh, I don't know if you saw some of the the shots I posted from the mid America open, yeah. but like I was throwing a crave hyzer flipped uphill mm-hmm. to get around some of the trees on hole five. And in, in one of the clips I posted and it's just like, would, would you ever think about hyzer flipping a forehand <laughs> uphill? Well, yes, <laughs> in this case, I'm going to do that. So, 
so yeah, yeah. um yeah you're exactly right if you got it you got it and so um so yeah um i know i monopolized that for a little bit so i'm gonna i'm gonna retreat from my forehand gushing (laughs) and and let nova talk now no that's great i actually just put a neutron servo back in my bag yesterday so there you go it's a it's a really good disc i bag a neutron servo myself but i backhand it yeah. And, oh, me too. Yeah, Someday I'll yeah, have a forehand, maybe. <laughs> yeah. We're we're getting off the track. Yeah. So no, but give me your number one disc. Number one disc, uh, same this year as it was last year, and that is the Streamline Trace oh, in yeah. Neutron Plastic. It is basically the disc I had been looking for since I started playing disc golf. Well, that's not entirely true. The first year that I was playing disc golf, I would have no idea what to do with the trace if you gave me one. It, <laughs> Because in the first year of playing disc golf, everybody should be using really understable slow stuff. And the trace is not that. It's up in that sweet spot. I'm going to translate it into a couple of other brands for mm. non-MVP people who are listening in. Um, because that could be a big chunk of our audience. It's up in that slightly stable to overstable 11-12 speed corner of a flight guide in the sort of destroyer, wraith, surge, crush dd vulture kind of corner of the flight chart to where it's got a biggish rim speed 11 or 12 it's got just a hint of turn if you throw it speed or 11 or 12 fast which is hard to do and then a dependable fade and the thing i really like about it the reason it's so endearing to me is it makes me look good i can just go up on a t-box and throw with maximum aggression on a hard flat line or a little bit of hyzer or even a little bit of uh, just a touch of turnover anhyzer release and it's going to yeet out there <laughs> like a laser for about 300 plus and then spend the next 100 feet stopping whatever it's doing and coming back to the left and not in like a huge big dump but just so much as a a reliable fade, a dependable fade, a trustworthy fade. Uh, I think trustworthy is a good word to use because I trust the disc to do the thing I want. There are a lot of high-speed drivers that are a little straighter or even understable that are really twitchy. And yeah, they'll go just as far as a trace, but with a less-than-perfect throw, there's no telling where it's going to end up. But with a trace, I get all the distance I want, and I know exactly where it's going to end up. Mm-hmm. Yep, this has been a sponsored message brought to you by Streamline Discs. Go buy one right now. And yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna back her up on this because yeah, you just started forehanding them. I mm, I was inspired by Sarah Hokum. Yeah. I you know watching her at uh, a few of the DGPTs this year on the you know the post produced coverage and and things like that. She throws a lot of traces on forehands, and I've been looking for a distance driver to forehand i've been basically getting away with like the highest speed disc i would forehand is a tesla and i'm like i need i I need to get some more distance than i'm getting and sarah's throwing the trace and it looks Mm -hmm. controllable and so i have it's not locked in yet i am i'm still working on mastering the trace on a forehand line but when it works oh my god i'm getting all <laughs> kinds of distance on it it's still a work in progress though i'm yeah. still i'm still trying to make it make it happen but i'm, I'm very happy with with what it's doing for me in in the audition phase nice. yeah she is she is legit uh banging out 325 plus on a golf line on a forehand with a neutron trace and it's really impressive to see well, and shout out to Jordan Castro, who was on the DGPT Idlewild coverage today. I saw him throwing some traces. That was pretty cool. Um, I also saw him using the Upper Park Shift bag, which is actually the bag I just switched to, and I am loving it. It is super All right. comfy. Um, I like it very much. Uh, so I for, hear good things about those. For me, my, my number one disc is uh, the Neutron Matrix and I like the Matrix very, very much in the electron mo- uh, mold of uh, plastic, not mold. Matrix is the mold. Electron is the plastic. Sorry. <laughs> um, and I like it in the proton plastic as well. But the Neutron is just the best disc for me. 
um, in my bag. I've been having a lot of driving yips lately, and I can trust my matrix even when, I don't know, things feel weird. It just it feels good in my hand and flies the way I want it to. And I've actually started using it off the tee a lot more because I realized if this is a disc that I can control and I can throw well, that when, especially when I have tunnel shots, any kind of gap, any kind of situation where I'm trying Mm -hmm. to avoid some stuff on the the left and right, that's that's the disc I should be throwing off the tee because I'm probably not going to reach the pin anyway. Or I... I reached the pin with it at Waterworks on hole three yesterday, and it made me realize I can throw that that puppy a lot yeah. farther than I thought I could. So, you're not wrong. Yeah, Matrix is an outstanding driving mid. I'll throw yeah. him off the tee myself. It is the it's the heart of my mid range game. Yeah. So excellent, excellent choice there. Awesome. All right, so y'all have been some places since we talked last, and most recently that place was the Mid-America Open. So let's talk a little bit about your experience there. It was a really interesting weekend on a lot of levels, I know. Um, So Nova, why don't you get us started here on on what that was like for y'all? Okay, you you tell me that I've been to a lot of places, but honestly, with the pandemic on, I've been to the bathroom and I've been to the (laughs) Mid-America Open. Well, also the dynamic the open, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, the, well I've been trying to forget the DDO. Right. <laughs> Mid America Open, uh, nearby in Columbia, Missouri, played at Harmony Benz, the number one rated uh, disc golf course on UDisc, which is a rating that is given by the users of UDisc. And the weather was not the best it could be because Harmony Benz is in a floodplain, as many disc golf courses are. So round one was shortened to 14 holes. Uh, We got in the full 18 on round two. And then round three, we played 14 again. And that's on the FPO side. MPO had to do things differently because on the final day, some late afternoon thunderstorms rolled in and just brought things to a crashing halt. Uh, That's the setting and the weather. Uh, Kim, why don't you pick it up with how the play went? Oh, geez. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot like that. <laughs> no, no. Except I did. Okay. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm vicious. Uh, just want, to let's talk I, about your round one because my round one was terrible. Well, I'm I'm going to go back to the conditions for a little bit. Um, yeah. I know that you know they talk about this on the post-produced coverage. Um, the Holes that basically make up hole 10 through about hole 15. It's it's difficult to see this except when they zoom in, but almost all of that was mud or standing water. Even on the days we played the the full 18, the that part of the floodplain, despite the fact that you know the river didn't you know overflow that or flood it or anything it was saturated with water hole 11 in particular which has such a canopy it's it's not going to dry out very effectively you were playing through a swamp and as difficult as hole 11 already is and it's a challenging hole we had to play it where you were going to slide be in standing water your disc you would have to choose. Um, geez, I'm, I'm trying to remember if it was, uh, I think it was round two. I could be misremembering this, but I think it was round two. Sarah Gilpin had a shot that she had to decide, am I going to take optional relief from the water, which would put me basically six meters back. And this is on a fairway. You know, it, it was it was not an inconsiderable distance from from where the edge of the water was to where her disc was, and not all of it was standing water. And in the end, she chose to throw it from the water. And I had a similar instance on hole ten. Uh, my disc landed in standing water within the circle at the edge of the circle, and I had to make the decision: Do I want to? putt from here in the water or do I want to take relief behind it and I decided to putt in the water and I still missed the putt which you know <laughs> for that matter I should have just taken the, the, the relief and chanced missing it from a further distance back but 
the video coverage, in my opinion, doesn't really give an idea of how challenging the conditions were that weekend. So, you know, big props and shout outs to, you know, the podium finishers who managed the, the course a heck of a lot better than, you know, than I did. So, you know, Lisa uh, and Pixie and Sarah and uh cat merch you know well done to all four of you you yeah. definitely definitely uh did it better than i did and you know nova over here i mean you know yeah. she's gonna get to it when she starts talking to it you know she she got the cash as well so she she had a good round and hey, last cash <laughs> i know that doesn't talk about my round just yet but i just wanted to highlight yeah the, the mid-america open was Harmony is a challenging course, and the conditions did not <laughs> make it any easier this year. Well, I think uh, to talk to hole 11 for just a second, it is right there by the river, and the water table is very high, so it has no drainage. That is absolutely correct. And it's a John Houck course, which means it's going to play down one or two intended fairways, and then you'll have a decision point, and then there'll be one or two lines to the basket. And the problem is, in order to hit the appropriate landing area, usually a little bit of ground play is necessary. It's a good air shot followed by a nice skip or a little bit of ground play, and it puts you in the sweet spot to attack to to attack the next throw, and then hopefully uh, that gets you right there in the circle for your bird or close at hand for your two-putt. But the problem was, because it was completely waterlogged and in some places four inches deep with standing water, there was no ground play. So an air shot would fly close to the intended landing zone, touch the ground, and then disappear in a spray of water, um, which would put a player out of position. And out of position on a John Houck designed disc golf course mm -hmm. is the worst place on earth. <laughs> because it's you look at it on the diagram, you look at it on the drone fly-throughs, or you just look at it on a nice day, and you think, oh, this is straightforward. You just go all the way down this tunnel, and then you make a little turn, and off you go. And you don't realize that if you are anywhere but within the, the landing zones that have been picked out and designed into the course, you've got nothing. It is, it is painful how bad out-of-position hurts on a course like that. So with the additional challenge of the standing water, there was little ground play, mm. and really necessitated dropping discs out of the air into the landing zone on a dime. And that is a difficult skill. All right. Let's talk about... Wow, we complain yeah. a lot. <laughs> well, no. It, <laughs> the conditions were just challenging. And that mm -hmm. it, I just want to highlight that before I get into... Oh, okay. Um, round one, I finished middle of the pack. And I had a few. I did, I did not. No, no, you did not. <laughs> my my first round stank. <laughs> I had a few missed opportunities, but uh, really, you know, I just didn't play the conditions well, and you know, unsure of my footing, unsure of the, you know the my grip on the tee pads. There were some hesitation on on some of my shots instead of confidence. And, you know, that's the summary of the tournament. Uh, it, it was bad, particularly in round two, which is strange that round two where, you know, it, it hadn't, we played the full course that I would have had less confidence on things or have been, felt more uncertain. But, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh the good parts. Um, my forehand approaches were were very good, um, especially with the neutron deflector. I posted some videos of that. I was very, very happy with with how I was able to use that disc to flex through trees and and hit my targets. Um, my putting was was great. I think I was second mm -hmm. in. C2 putts and third and C1X putts or something like that. Um, it was it was nice to have that confidence. Yeah. If if everything else was failing me, my putting was was keeping me in the game. Uh, the real disappointment, I guess, is like uh, 
on the two days when we played the abbreviated course, I started off birdie par. And I'm like, all right, we're going to, this is going great. I'm one under. I've made it through hole five, which is actually very challenging. It's one of the John Pauk holes that Nova described that if you get out of the intended line, then scrambling for it is very hard. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get down on hole 10. And like day one, hole 10, uh, my drive makes the gap, clears all of the trees. It's a beautiful shot. And then what I didn't see, and this is my own fault, is my intended plant behind my lie was standing water. You know, it's just, it's got lots of grass down on that plane, so I didn't see this. So I plant, and then I just spun out, put my disc into the trees right by me. (laughs) And so what was going to be a par, I'm now having to scramble. And I, and you know, this is the day I missed the putt because of the standing water that I was standing in. So, you know, it's just like, ah, dumb mistake that you could have played the conditions better had you been more mindful and this is in my head on day three. And so I, my uh, disc, oh, excuse me, on day two. It's in my head on day two. So I don't want to get into the standing water again. So I don't power my disc up enough. And now I'm in the trees on the left on hole 10. And if you get into the trees on the left, down on the flat, it's jail. It's, it's just absolute jail. You, the only thing you can do is pitch out. And you're lucky if you can pitch out. True story. So that's that's another day where this happened. And then on day three, because I was in standing water on day one and in the jail on whole, on day two, I left my disc too short on day three. You know, instead of correcting, mm. I just kept <laughs> I just kept making adjustments that resulted in worse results Mm -hmm. so so you know uh once again all props to the to the you know the top finishers they definitely played the conditions better than i did well nova congratulations again on uh (laughs) moving up into the cash that was awesome oh thank you i was was motivated yeah always fun when I could follow y'all on UDisc and kind of, you know, see in real time what's going on. Um, I so will yeah, say this, though. I, I do want to, this, this is like the bright spot right here is what I'm about to say is signature hole 18 at Harmony Bends where it winds around the creek several times and you have to hit very s- specific landing zones. Otherwise, you're going OB or you're left with nothing. There are exactly two pars on the day, and you're talking to the women who got them both. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Very everyone nice. Else, everyone else was bogey or worse. So, yeah, I and I think that speaks to kind of the U-Disc thing, too. That's super fun that we can really compare stats and really see what happens um, in the entire field, even though we might not get video of everything. Having just those stats is, is cool. Um, it's it's fun to follow along in that regard. That's for sure. Yeah. But, so. but I don't want to put too much emphasis on that one hole because there were, oh God, I was about to say 54 other holes, but that's wrong because. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> it was weird. Were two, yeah. There were two times 14 plus 17 other holes. Uh, yeah. So let's not put too much emphasis on the one hole where we did well. Yeah. So shout out again to Lisa Fakus for taking that win. And she uh, won back-to-back um, silver series events of the D- Disc Golf Pro Tour uh, with the True Silver story. Cup and the Mid-America Open. So good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. A couple quick mentions here before we go to break. So the Party Podcast is on uh, the Disc Golf Network um, you can get their app. You can also access it online. And it's really, really good. I really like it. I am so excited that Hannah and Christine are putting out this podcast. Um, so the original plan this year for our podcast was to be have several groups of women all over the world uh, making episodes that then... I we remember would, that. <laughs> that we would... Um, 
put out there into the world and obviously this this year has not looked like any of us expected it to but my hope was that some of these groups of women would go hey you know we we kind of did a good job at this and making a podcast is a thing we can do um, and then maybe some of them would start some podcasts too so I'm just over the moon about this party podcast and uh, yeah the more women's podcasts that are out there uh, we got Sarah Sinclair rocking it over at uh, PDG radio it's it's just cool it's really really good um so yeah sorry very happy about that also wanted to make a quick mention of the heartland women's series events that are still happening uh here locally and regionally um for the rest of the season so the lou ladies challenge Mm -hmm. is on august 29th in st louis uh the shooting stars ladies open in lincoln will be september 19th and the emporia ladies open will be on october 3rd and 4th um kim and nova i think Mm -hmm. you're playing the emporia ladies open yeah that is correct we're signed up so yeah we might play the the lulu ladies in new melly as well we're still considering that one i was gonna say kim's got to go defend her uh emporia ladies open title yeah Yeah. (laughs) from last year we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back Ladies First Disc Golf is the most comprehensive retailer for women's disc golf needs. With over 55 star reviews on Google and Facebook, listen to what their customers have to say. Jess M says, I got my first Ladies First Disc Golf hoodie and hat. I absolutely love them. They arrive so quickly and are exactly what I ordered. What is posted is what you get. I love this page and all the great apparel. It's nice to see disc golf items for just us ladies. It means a lot to have a page like this I can go to. I can't wait to purchase more. Thank you. If you are looking for stylish and comfortable disc golf apparel and discs for women disc golfers of all skill levels, Ladies First Disc Golf has your needs covered. Visit ladiesfirstdiscgolf.com and use code LOTC20 at checkout to get free shipping on your order of $20 or more. And we're back. So our topics of the week, and we're going to start with the new normal, which is a phrase we hear a lot lately. <laughs> but God, Nova brought this up. And I think the this new, is new abnormal, the new abnormal, right? But I think this is such a good point. Um, this is actually something that at my work, we've talked about a lot because we've had to scramble and work just insanely hard to keep our small business afloat and to mm-hmm. um, evolve to revolutionize what we're doing and we've added a lot of good things we've added a lot of value to what we do and a lot of things that we can take into the future and, and certainly disc golf's no different um, we've had all of these kind of new ways of of doing tournaments um, so let's talk about some of these things and, and some of these things that are maybe good to take uh, forward with us, even <laughs> hopefully when we reach this post-pandemic world. Um, so let's start with the online player meetings. Uh, y'all have been playing a lot more tournaments than I have. What, how do you feel about the, the online player meetings? Outstanding. Outstanding. Love them. Yeah. I, I never want to go to another in-person right? player meeting again. I, well, to, I, oh. be, to be truthful, I never wanted to go to them uh, before all of yes. this started either. Uh, players meetings always felt like an abuse of my time <laughs> because I would show up with my pencil out and my caddy book right. ready or I'd flip over a piece of paper and use the back and I was ready for errata. I was ready to take notes on things that had changed at the last minute that would be important to me as a competitor to know while I was out competing. And I have literally never once in my life written down something from a (laughs) player's meeting that turned out to have come out at the player's meeting. Every player's meeting I've been to has been, uh, let's roll out the, the sponsor, let's roll out the TD, let's roll out the owner of the company that's sponsoring the tournament. Uh, they're all going to say five or ten minutes about how great each of them are about themselves. Let's bring out the mayor. The mayor is going to welcome everyone to his or her fine town. Um, I'd like to remind everybody at this seat here that you're supposed to know the rules and put your beer away, blah, blah, blah. And it's 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 always just been a colossal waste of my time. So the beauty of them being online is that I can set them to 2x speed and do something else while I'm watching it with one eye. Mm-hmm. 
which if you do that in person, it's really rude. <laughs> you will catch yeah. you will catch such side eye if you do that in person. Well, and to, uh, your, to your point, it's really it, important everybody's on the same page, right? Um, like we need to make sure if there are any special, you know, you can tee to the tee off from the side of the tee pad on these certain holes mm-hmm. that you know everyone needs to know that but i think to your point those are the only things that i can think of that have maybe come up sort of last minute if there's been some rain or um like some non uh like some natural tee pads if those get like redrawn for the second round or something like that because the first round they got but those like it's the the one tournament I've played. We still had a check-in, right? So that could be like right. a, a thing at check-in where it's like, by the way, here, you know, yeah. you need to know uh, this added detail. I have actually had, I, I can remember like one or two times where errata was given that was useful. A uh, big example for that would be um, U.S. Women's in 2017. Mm-hmm. They actually said that, you know, the course had changed a little bit uh, because of some danger and so that they were going to play it this way instead of this other way and so it was different than the published material and all of that and you know there was a player's dinner mm-hmm. that you know you, your entry fee helped pay for that we were attending when all of this was occurring so you know it it was less of a player's meeting and more of just a gathering of all of the players there to socialize and and eat and and kind of launch the the event. The issue that I'm going to agree with Nova on is mm-hmm. a lot of players meetings should be called opening ceremonies. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. You you totally stole my idea. Go for it. <laughs> because that's what they are. Um they are there to launch the tournament and talk about the title sponsors, talk about the players involved, thank all of the volunteers, thank all of the staff, thank the city. And there's, these are important things. You know, we as a sport are dependent upon the goodwill of the parks department, upon the city, upon all the volunteers. It's good to recognize the hard work and the generosity of all of these groups and individuals. Absolutely. But Call it what it is. Call it what it is. Because yeah, don't it, do a bait and switch <laughs> and bring everybody in for a players meeting and then have no relevant information to present because then we're just warm bodies for this dog and pony show. Well, and if I know that it's opening ceremonies ahead of time, I can make an informed decision on whether or not I want to be there. No. And what, well, and, and maybe I do, depending on what, what is going to happen there. But a players' meeting, especially when it's considered mandatory, implies there is information I absolutely positively have to have regarding the event so that Mm -hmm. I am aware of how the course plays, I'm aware of the safety concerns, and I'm aware of where all of the resources in play, such as water, bathrooms, you know, uh, first aid, things like that are going to be. And if this information is not presented at this mandatory meeting, then it is an opening ceremony. And I remember an article that was published on PDJ. It was either PDJ or Ultra World. Um, I apologize to whomever wrote it that I didn't come prepared to give you the the proper shout out that you needed. That this situation with the pandemic has certainly given us cause to reevaluate. Well, we've always done it this way, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and. So let's take into account a tournament the size of a major or the size of the glass blown open or the size of ledge stone or, you know, the larger things where if you wanted to have an in-person players meeting, you know, you're getting a thousand or several hundred people in one room. Right. You know, the... The logistical considerations of of paying for the space, of making certain there's parking available, um, making certain that the... It's money there, that could be spent elsewhere. Well, it's not just money. It's also time. Sure. There, there, there's so much of a, a logistical 
uh, I, I don't want to say nightmare, but it's that's a not inconsistent. <laughs> it's a lot of work. And so why are we doing this? We have the online options. Why have we not been using the online yeah. options? Suddenly we have we, we are forced to use the online options and now we're thinking well, why why were we forcing ourselves to do it in person? Well, that's human history in a nutshell. <laughs> uh, nothing forces innovation faster than a catastrophe. <laughs> well, no, and that's true. That's absolutely true. And kind of to another point of what comes out has come out of this time. So I am a very much amateur. I am a super amateur. And most of the tournaments I play are shotgun starts with a player's meeting behind beforehand. Mm -hmm. And right. what's always driven me nuts about players meetings is I hate waiting mm. around. But also if I've warmed up, then I get completely cold. And then I Absolutely. walk to my tea and play. And so having tea times, are you kidding me? It I get to play from hole one like this is the best time ever like there would be maybe one tournament the entire year that you know the midwest amateur championship that i would get to play from hole one on tea times like that was it so having these tea times plus no players meeting means i can actually like warm up and then walk to my tea and be warmed up um and i love that you're living well, the dream it's true and, that's and you're, awesome <laughs> if we're talking about shotgun starts with players meetings walking to your tee like if you're one of the unlucky players that has to walk as right. far away from tournament central as is possible on the course in other words if you're in the rec women's division like i am well, it's not it's, just rec women trust okay, me on okay, this one okay okay but but, no, but not you know it that is challenging so yeah give me an online players meeting that i can watch on my own time you know, hopefully it's recorded so I can pull it up if I can't actually attend the seven o'clock yeah, or eight o'clock the right. night before or whatever. Right. And then I will show up, go to my hole, warm up on my hole, be ready to tee off at the two minute warning when they, you know, the horn sounds. And I don't have to get cold right. walking back to Tournament Central from wherever I was and then get Re remain cold on the walk yep. all the way back to the hole. So yep. absolutely the the benefits of not having this mandatory meeting in person are I, I love it. And I'm not saying we should do away with opening ceremonies. I'm not. Sure. Abs absolutely not. But I do think if it if it is opening ceremonies, we should just call it that and not say it's a mandatory players meeting. I dig it. Uh, yeah, so right. Nova, what are some other thoughts that you have about things from this time that we might carry forward? Okay, well, uh, looking at our show notes, uh, I uh, see that we're going to discuss uh, going to more one-round-per-day tournaments, mm -hmm. uh, whether that's like stretching out a C-tier over two days. Yeah. Um, there's a B-tier coming up this fall that's going to be three rounds. I think I'm doing two rounds one day and one round the next day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's a mix of good and bad because it is a lot of fun to knock out a two-round C-tier in one day and have the rest of the weekend free to do something else, right. especially if it's a local one. And for C-tiers, that's usually the case. Right. But otherwise, yeah. one round a day is lovely, but it does create an additional burden on our tournament directors right. who should be who should be making money doing this, but that's a side issue right. for another day. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, hot take with Nova. TDs <laughs> should get paid. Yeah. Yeah, if you're a TD and you're making money, good on you. That's that's the official Coach Nova stance on that. Go get paid. Well, I'll, I'll add in the, yeah. the logistical problem of extending a C tier to a second day. Yeah. Um, for example, it might take me an hour and a half to drive to a C tier I'm willing to go to. Right. You know, may, maybe... If I if I really want to play something, it might take two to two and a half. But but that means I really want to play this C tier if I'm going to take that much time out of my day. Yep. So you're going to be making um, that drive four times instead of twice. Well, currently I would be making the drive once, play my two rounds, and then drive home. Right. If you extend another day, it means I'm either going to have to make the drive twice, right, or I'm going to have to get a hotel. 
Either way, it's an additional expense. And I am less likely to play it. Right. I thought it was really interesting last year because I played two A-tiers for the first time that um, were one round per day. And I thought I would love it because I just, I tire out. I'm a wuss. What can I say? Uh, But I I really hear your points. And for me personally, I find a lot of the one rounders tend to be... um, on longer courses, right? Kind of to your point, right. to make it feel like it's worth it. And that's oh, not absolutely. that's not super amateur Becca's game. So I am really looking forward to the return of two rounds one day on some pretty chill courses that I feel like okay. I can attack and have a good time because that's just again, that's just my game. That's more of more of the beginner's game. So that's I, a really good perspective yeah. you're bringing. I appreciate that. And I'm all in on one round a day for the larger events right. because usually usually these are longer courses they're more right. challenging they are going to be more exhausting to me Fair. as a player for example i would not want to play two rounds at harmony bends in a single right. day right. i would not much. i would not want to play two rounds at emporia country club right in a day um, yeah, but two rounds at the 5,000-foot park golf course right. that's par 54 is totes okay. Right. Totally get it. So, um, yeah, I, I genuinely love one-day ra- or one-round-day events. Yeah. But if it's going to be, you know, a park golf course, yep. you, know, it, you know, let's say we're going to go play Kansas Park. Yep, exactly. Put the Kansas Crush. I'm fine playing that twice in a single day. I'll I'll play that one three times. You know, that's right. (laughs) That's on my list of things to look forward to for next year. (laughs) Oh, I miss that tournament so much. Centennial Park in Lawrence. I'll play Centennial twice in a day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's fun to go crush the little parks. It's awesome. Yeah. Other things. Uh, What do you all think about the pre-packed players packs? Do you have any thoughts about that? I was actually looking forward to this just so I could be like, Becca, we need to get your opinion on the pre-packed <laughs> true, players because you don't have to worry because, about that. No, we, I mean, honestly, I, most of the time when I'm checking into a tournament, I just get to within a hundred feet of the TD right. and I, and I just shout, I'm just like, Hey, and well, they're like, Oh, and they're like, Oh, it's Nova. And you see them like look down at a clipboard and make a mark on a list of names. Here's, and then I walk yeah. and then I walk away again. That's the whole check-in process. So here's so where I, I want to yeah. hear what you have to say about this because M's get things. So right, uh, have 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 you have you dealt with the pre-packed player pack? What's that like, Becca? Tell so us. Here's something we can take away, um, maybe from this time that was already a planned thing, and a good reason for me to shout out Scott Reek. So Scott's done his tournaments this year a little bit different on the AM side where you Mm -hmm. have some different options about what you want to pay for that tournament and what you're going to get back. Um, So it's like, and again, I, I only signed up for one and I ended up withdrawing, um, but I still got my players pack today from Scott and it was enormous and had lots of fun stuff in it. Um, but I love having that option because I don't care about, like, I don't really play for the stuff. I play for mm-hmm. the competition and for the tournament. Like, All I, right. I had so much fun this week um, because I just kind of wanted to mix up my bag a little bit and see what I had. And I've accumulated so many discs that it felt like <laughs> I was going to a used disc golf store because I just got to go yeah. through it. I'm like, oh, I forgot I had this. That's fun. And I like having, like, a lot of the discs that I got today from Scott will go into the hands of people I meet that haven't played yet. Um, They're not going to be discs that I throw and that's fine. Like I need those discs Mm -hmm. too. When I bring new players out, you know, I don't want them throwing my, you know, most favoritist neutron matrix in the world. Like I want to give them some other stuff that's throwable, but I don't care about it. Right. Um, So I think that maybe we could use this time to break away from, we have to have, you know, amateurs getting all this stuff and there has to be a stack of discs that everyone touches you know like maybe we just I like where you're going this. with this yeah this is so. a this is this is a bold take back because <laughs> i mean we're we're talking about something that's been baked into the pdga for right. decades now 
Right. Um, this this calls back to uh, probably 20 episodes ago. I think yep. Kim and I were talking about how we've played a lot of other sports, and disc golf is unique in that you get these tremendous merchandise gift bags when you come to play in a tournament. Yeah. Uh, you know, tennis or uh, you go you go run a 5K. You get a granola bar, a bottle of water, and a, a tank top. Yeah. If you're lucky. Right. And and that's for you know and that's for the nice one. So let's circle back here to, to something else, Nova, that you wanted to talk about that's very much related um, to the players' hey. meetings and, and all, all these right. things. And that's how we communicate. Absolutely. So we've changed how we communicate in this time a little bit um, because we're not doing as much of maybe in the in-person, in-face stuff. But right. it seems like most tournament directors communicate on Facebook and Ooh. that's a problem, and I appreciate that boo oh, yeah. because I have some <laughs> I have some moral issues with Facebook. Me being me, Facebook is the most addictive thing in the world because I love people and I love not being bored, and it kind of solves those two things for me. But oh, as, a, sure. as a corporation, it's a little whack to say the least. And disc golf is one of the things that keeps me on Facebook. If I had another mm-hmm. way of of doing this disc golf thing, whew, I would have a much easier time getting rid of it. So yeah, no, I know you have some passionate thoughts about it. This, so yeah, give us give us those. You just literally talked out my whole segment. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> in the in the intro, you just went step by step. Nice through, through so, the outline of what I was a, going we're to in say. Agreement. This is amazing. <laughs> ah, we are in violent agreement. <laughs> I'm glad I'm recording this one remotely today. <laughs> Uh, you're right. Uh, I have, at the moment, 19 friends <laughs> on Facebook, as Facebook defines it. And the reason I have 19 friends on Facebook is that I don't want 20. <laughs> I think anybody who's been paying attention lately already understands all of the background information for why right. <laughs> Facebook is kind of bad and gross right now. Yeah. And... I mean, let's be frank. The kids don't like it. It's true. And yeah, you know, uh, the it Facebook has become the medium of old people, and often old people with behavioral issues. And it really bothers me that in order to be wired in yeah. to what is happening in the sport of disc golf, in order to stay current on what time is round two after the lunch yeah. break, or what is the deadline for registration on an upcoming tournament? Or even here's the caddy book in PDF format attached. It's always attached to a Facebook post. Players yeah. meetings are done on Facebook live video to call back to the previous segment. Uh, Coursera, photographs, everything is posted yeah. on Facebook. And... I don't like having so much of my personal and private information tied to the necessity to stay in touch with what I'm doing in this sport. Absolutely. Well, and I think, um, sorry, I on. have, no, it's cool. I, I maintain two Facebook accounts, actually. I've got my personal private one, right. which is just for me and my 19 <laughs> closest friends. And that's friends with a capital F. These are people I really right. like. Because if you're a Randy and you just send me a friend request... <laughs> No, I don't know you. That's weird. Don't do that. <laughs> but I've also got an athlete page, you know, right. Nova Polite 74995 at facebook.com slash bigsmoothdg. Go click now. But, uh, and I can't just have an athlete profile in order to make an athlete page, which is treated like a business page. Right. You've got, you've got to have a personal account underneath it yep. as, a, as a sort of an anchor. And then you can make business pages. And a business can be you as an athlete. So I've got like an an inward facing Facebook profile, which is just for me and my inner circle and all of the things we talk about that are not sponsor friendly. And then an outward facing Facebook page, which is the athlete page. And because of the way Facebook groups are configured and because of the way tournaments are sometimes configured, my athlete page can't always interact with a group. Right. Or it can't interact with a tournament page, right. which means if I want to interact with a group or if I want to interact with a tournament and see what's going on, 
I still have to use my personal and private profile. And the, the lack of granularity there is really frustrating. And then you wrap all of that up in a little ball and you set it off to one side and you say, and then there's this other issue that Facebook is horrible right now. And we need a better communication medium. We need to get away from Facebook, in my humble opinion. And I want to throw it out there to uh, the mad lads at UDISC. Yep. You guys you guys develop things. You know what you're doing. You've already got the talent on hand. Make make disc golf book and <laughs> Well you kind uh, of and, and hire me to be a moderator. <laughs> well, and now you stole my I, idea. I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. So now I'm you, in. Yeah, now you stole my thoughts. This is good. We're okay. like Well, okay, we're just well, I don't want to I'm not going to tramp Yeah, I'm not going to trample you then so right now. <laughs> Now, Becca, pick it up and run. Go, 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 go. All right, all right. So, shout out to Brent Seamers. He uh, runs the Wednesday Rosedale League, which usually takes place in the evenings. But Mm -hmm. because COVID, uh, he's running it (laughs) from dawn to dusk, which means I get to play the Rosedale Wednesday League every week because I can play in the mornings before I have to go to work at 1 p.m. Now, Oh, it's a flex start. Yep. Part of the okay. reason why we can do this so fluidly and wonderfully is because UDISC added leagues into UDISC. And it is the yeah. coolest thing ever. And so many people already have the UDISC. We've retrained the leagues this year that you need to have UDISC. So I think for the right. tournaments, it would be very, very, very simple. Um, it, whether it's UDISC or whatever the PDGA is using, because something else that is come out of you know this time is everyone is using the digital scorecards now and they're great like fantastic no more math (laughs) even though i am a thousand rated and a hundred percent on every time i've added up a card it's like my one claim to disc golf fame but anyway moving on (laughs) but it is that's a good skill we we have these things in place that we just need to retrain everybody and i think we'd be okay like you can communicate even on disc golf scene like no one signs up for a tournament on facebook you sign up with you know one of the the two big disc golf sites that people run their tournament signups on and there Mm -hmm. is communication through those we don't have to use facebook even with the existing things that we have now we just need to retrain everybody and I mean, Matt and Josh are awesome, and they have so much in the works. And when we're done with this podcast, I'll go ahead and give them a little ding ding. Um, Because, like, even if they just added a way that you could notify, you know, everyone in your tournament, them or the PGA, then here's round two. A push push notification. Exactly. Exactly. Like, we don't need to have Facebook. It's not 1990 anymore. They somehow they managed to get everyone back for the second round back then right <laughs> they it's probably true. just wrote it on like a piece of paper and you know put it up yeah, somewhere the ga- <laughs> yeah the, the gang right you just are probably going to be listening to this and yes. they're going to be like who's our leak yeah. we got a, <laughs> right. we got a mole no i think that's a good point because they've you somebody know, somebody's spilling secrets out of school they're they're really off and running and i think that's where we're headed and i'm all for it All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to do a quick Disc Golf Pro Tour recap from what we've missed. And we're back. So we're recording this on Sunday uh, night here. And Ellen Widboom has just won Idlewild. And Ellen Widboom is really kind of the talk of the Disc Golf Pro Tour since we came back. I mean... It, it seems only fitting that she would take this event after her performance at D-Glow and the Silver Cup and all the other things she's been playing lately, man. Like, she has just been crushing it, and I am here for it. <laughs> I'm so excited. Oh, yeah. Uh, she is so fun to watch. Um, she has obviously such a unique style. Her So her at D-Glow, what really... Um, one of the things that was the key to her success was the putting, right? And Absolutely. I'm and not yeah. and not just putting in close. Uh, she was right. She was nailing stuff from the edge of circle one and out into circle two, where a lot of other players are looking at a two putt at that range. And she has uh, such an interesting... At, at, yeah, at least sorry, half the time. 
And she has such an interesting putt. I was listening to another podcast with her um, where she was talking about working on it during our second off season here. And she does this like super nose down spin putt. Like it's a trip. It's really, really interesting, uh, mm-hmm. but it's working and it's great. And obviously she's got this flick game that's bananas to me as someone who has no forehand because <laughs> she like throws it's like oh okay and then it goes so far like it makes no sense to my brain and it's awesome because i have no forehand and i don't understand how forehands work but it's yeah uh, so I, I i'm just gonna shout out to another sport here for a moment yeah. um i think it was back in 2010 francesca schiavoni won the french open mm. and she was a player that everyone knew on tour yeah but had never really had like a huge result or, or something. So suddenly she's in the semifinals and, you know, all she needs is one big win to get into the final. And she did it and she got into the final and, you know, it was one of those feel good stories for, for the sport that this player who'd been around forever, but never put up a big result was suddenly playing for the championship. And she was playing against a, very accomplished player in Samantha Stozer, mm. who would go on to beat Serena Williams at the U.S. Open and had, you know, had to beat a lot of good people to mm. get into the finals. And everyone just expected, you know, Stozer to come through and, yeah. and win this event. And Schiavone brought everything she needed to bring mm. to win that win. And she came out of it as a... She, Whatever happens in her career, you know, happened in her career post that yeah. she could always say she won a major. Right. And I'm not going to say that a DGPT is a major, but Ellen Widboom's emergence yes. has that same feel. Like everyone knew who Ellen was. Her name had been out there forever. You would see her and we'd talk about her. Oh, she's now on tour. She's going full time. Let's look at her results. She's been this name for a while. And suddenly she's Im- putting up good showings and to take down a dgpt you know you know all the props in the world that that is hard well and and idolized man against against this level of competition uh wow i mean you you just have to feel good for her to to have to have put in the work Mm -hmm. to refine her game to to not only get herself to that moment, but then to meet it, you know, all, all props to Ellen for, for doing that. All right. So in... yeah, looking at the stats, uh, yeah. she's got a 92% circle one X putting today. And uh, looking at the other stats in the top four or five players, it looks like that's really what tipped the balance. And so Ellen didn't play Idlewild last year. She played it two years ago and she was plus 49 for the tournament, which is crazy. And then this year, she wins it at plus eight. (laughs) If I could get a 41-stroke improvement on a tournament after two years, like, okay, I'll take that. (laughs) That is bananas. That is so, so exciting. And, like... Ellen's another one of those players. And it, I mean, that's a lot of the FPO field, right? Where we, she's, she's a little bit older. She was in the military for 10 years. She hasn't played this sport for a crazy long time, you know? And so to see her put in the work, have the success, be able to draw upon other things she's done outside of disc golf um, to perform at this level is, is so cool. Um, She had the hot round, this final round by two strokes, um, I mean, just kind of destroyed her card there. Uh, mm-hmm. Cleared by by uh, five strokes. Cat had was five over. Um, next best on her on the lead card, and and Ellen was even on the day, which is just I don't know. It's crazy. Like that's really really neat. Um, so, good job, I, Ellen. Very exciting. I, as as another old person, it gives me a lot of hope. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love it. All right. I'm I'm 50 years old and I'm competing against FPO. It's rough. Right. right. So that kind of turned into the uh, Ellen old people boom old people love fest time segment. But yeah. That's okay. Not not saying you're old, Ellen. No, no, no. And don't kill don't kill me. I know. I think we're we're probably all older than her. I'm not sure how old she is, but oh oh god. I just <laughs> I, I just I 
I don't want her to like pop up in the parking lot at Ledgestone and just kick my ass. That'd be th- terrible. That's the thing is she's like the nicest and she, you know, she picked up cameras for CCDG last year and there was the Ellen Wid brooms a couple years ago because she was always yeah. helping out, you know, and just really dove into disc golf. Uh, she and Holly Finley, I thought, did a great job of um, commentating at the on the Silver Cup uh, footage True for story. FPO. That's a great watch if you haven't watched it yet. Um, another again tournament where Ellen did really good and was threatening for the win. So you love to see it. It's really neat. So you mentioned Ledgestone uh, there, Nova. Let's kind of look forward here to Ledgestone because yeah. it's this week. Y'all are going out. When are you taking off to to go out to the Ledgestone? Uh, Manana tomorrow. All right. Uh, so yeah, get some practice rounds in. Tell me a little bit yeah. about it because I haven't looked as into it yet. Uh, is it the same courses for FPO as yeah. last year? Okay. Four no. rounds at four rounds at Sunset Hills. Oh, yeah. so no Northwoods. Was that just no. Worlds for Northwoods last year, or was it Ledgestone too? I can't remember. A couple years ago, Ledgestone. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So our first year at Ledgestone. 2018, um, 17, 2018, 18. Yeah, it was Northwood, and it wasn't Northwood Gold at the time. Right. You know, they were That's still right. using the right. the really densely wooded part that they didn't use uh, this for Northwood Gold, um, which is kind of weird. They replaced one densely wooded part with another densely wooded part, but <laughs> but it's a better densely wooded. Yes, part. it it is a better densely wooded part. It's at, it is absolutely a better densely wooded part. You know, Northwood Gold is is amazing. You know, everyone yeah. should get out and play it sometime if you've never gotten the chance to. But yeah, uh, four rounds at sunset, so it has the advantage from a certain sense that you know yes. we only have to master one course. Yeah. We don't have to travel. Oh uh, yeah. Um, and I know there is, I am one of the biggest proponents of saying tournaments are better if there is more than one course in play when it's multiple days like this. Like I'm the person that says the GBO shouldn't just be in Emporia gold. Let's do, let's do, um, excuse me, not country club gold. Let's also do Jones gold. Let's let's mix it up so you have a, a little bit of variety it i think it's better as a spectator i think it's more interesting in the long run to see the players have to attack two different courses rather than the same one repetitively i i do understand logistically that it's easier on mm-hmm. everybody the staff the media the players if there's only one course so i get it i do i do understand it so that's all of that said mm-hmm. I really like playing at sunset. Yes, and I know I, you do. Oh. I love, regardless of if I don't do well, I still like playing there. I like how it looks. I like how it feels. I like how it's manicured. So I'm very excited. Four rounds at one of my favorite yes. courses. I'm I'm excited to 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 make this trip. All right. Well, that is our show. Thank you so much for joining me, Kim and Nova. Let's do some shout outs. Nova, what you got for shout outs? Oh, uh, well, like to give a shout out to uh, teammates uh, Sarah Hokum and uh, Jordan Castro doing uh, yeah. pretty good. They're not quite winning today, but uh, still gave us a very exciting weekend of disc golf cheering uh, here from the sidelines at home. It was very, uh, yeah, it was very cool to see the MVP discs on coverage on both MPO and FPO today. That made me very happy. All right, Kim, what do you got for shout outs? Definitely big shout outs to to Jordan and Sarah, like Nova said. Um, I was very pleased to get to watch their game live today. It was very mm-hmm. very exciting to to follow along and and see some of the stuff that they're pulling out because nah, one day I can be that good. Yeah. Um, big shout out to um, to Pixie Cannon actually. Uh, yeah. She came and fought. She fought hard at Mid-America, ultimately came up a little bit short, but her first round was very, very strong, and she held it held strong in the second round, just didn't quite get across the finish line the way she wanted. But, you know, she comes to play the Mid-America Open. She's yeah. won it two years, and, and she she was really fighting to, to, to three-peat. So big shout-out mm-hmm. shout to Pixie there. Um, also... Uh, Minor plug, MVP Fission Wave is coming <gasps> have out. Have you thrown it? Have you 
you've thrown it? We have thrown them. We have, we have thrown them. Yes. Um, we're gonna have to I, talk after this. I'm very excited. We we don't have our we're we haven't done our video yet. We might film it while we're at sunset. Yes, please. Yes, please. Uh, yes, please. We yeah. Can we but, turn this into a segment? But <laughs> we can backfill it. But um, new product vision wave. I am. They're good. I, I'm still figuring out where they're, they are going to fit in my bag. Keyword, are going to fit yes. in my bag. Yes. The, gl- wrong. the glide on these things is Woo-hoo. stunning. Nice. So, so uh, for anyone looking for, you know, something in the 11 to 12 speed, mostly under stable range, but... Uh, you know, in the in the heavier weights, definitely would lean a little bit more towards the somewhat stable. No, well, <laughs> it depends on I your mean, arm. It depends I mean, on your like arm. If, if you're weak and you've got a max weight one, it's going to act more overstable. But that's but, a free disc. No, but yes, it is. <laughs> make no mistake, it is an understable driver. Make absolutely. It's a, it's a tailwind bomber. <laughs> but ah, uh, the the couple of practice throws I've had with them so far that. They are they are going to make it into my bag absolutely and these so anyone waiting for this <laughs> your faith is rewarded you're gonna like oh, it I can't wait. yeah uh, we uh, took them out on a day when there's about a 15 20 mile an hour tailwind and it was I was getting it to pop up on a hyzer flip and go about 400 feet in a straight line and then just sit nice. down oh. no drama no left no right <laughs> no up no down. It would just go about 400 feet and then sit down. And I'm like, well, that's pretty good. Uh, that's that's a that's a useful thing to have for all those days when I happen to have a 20-mile-an-hour tailwind right at my back. <laughs> it happens hey, sometimes. Hey, we live in the Midwest. It's going to be a thing. I dig it. Yeah. Can't we wait. play in Kansas. It w- it's not a matter of if. Right, it's yeah. just a matter of how strong. <laughs> right. uh, I'm not going to lie. There is no chance I'm going to throw this in a headwind or a crosswind. Right. Just, no. It stays in the bag. That's a terrible plan. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Absolutely. I love it. Hey, quick. But, sh- yeah. Becca, you're going to like it. I'm so excited. Quick <laughs> shout <pretty> out. good. <laughs> quick shout out to Molly Bryan, Elizabeth Borg-Bowman, and Victoria Erling for taking down FA1, FA2, and FA3 at the Midwest Amateur oh Championships. Oh, my God. Did- did Liz win? Liz yeah, won. Yeah, good job. Come back all right, for go Liz. Liz. Molly and Kendra Deal fought it out all weekend. It was fun to be able, again, to follow you on the PGGA website because we have these digital scorecards. I dig it. Thank you again for listening to the Ladies of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast. Thank you, as always, to DZ Discs, where the disc you see is the disc you get. Use the code GUITAR at checkout for a discount off of $25 or more. Have a great rest of your august playing the disc golf we'll probably be back in september for a couple more episodes we'll hear you then on ladies of the chain disc golf Podcast.